All right, we're gonna st- we are gonna start an Easter series this morning. It's called Eyewitness Accounts. And the reason why it's called Eyewitness Accounts is we're gonna be looking at Easter through the eyes of people that have lived it, through the eyes of people in the gospel. But you know, when we come and we look at Easter, Easter is more than a day. Easter is something that started years ago with the prophets. Easter is something that happened on Easter, but Easter is something that lives in all of us because we've all been fretsy, we've all been, been set free, and we all have changed lives, and, and stories have changed lives. So as we look at Easter this year, and we look at it through eyewitness accounts, we're going to be talking about three things, that God's love is for all of us, that's one, that sin stands in the way, we're all sinners, Jesus' sacrifice is enough. That's why Jesus had to go to the cross. And then we can choose life as we choose, uh, as, as we celebrate the resurrection. So this morning, I'm going to be talking on how Jesus' life shows us his message is for everyone. <clears throat> if the clicker, it would work. One more time. <laughs> uh, not going there. Did you do that or I do that? You did that? All right, I can do it. Good. It's working. I like it. Um, so Jesus' life shows us his message for everyone. I, I love Jesus. Do you love Jesus? Amen. Right? Have you experienced that his message is for you? All right, but his message is for everyone. And maybe if you haven't experienced the message of Jesus Christ, I want us all to experience that today. We're going to be looking at it through an eyewitness account of someone in, in the Bible and it's the, the woman that was caught in adultery. And the Pharisees used her as a pawn to try to trap Jesus. I don't know if you know this story. Now, if you're like me, I read this story. And I'm sorry, my Italian blood just starts to boil. And I get angry. I get angry as I look at what the Pharisees did. Right? Maybe you're going to feel a little bit of anger. We're going to take it verse by verse. So if you don't know the story, just wait till you get to verse 11. Right? It's going to unfold. But there's hope in this story as well. And that's the reason. I'm not trying to get anybody angry this morning. I'm just giving you a fair warning. But there is hope in this message. So it is powerful. Let's get into it together. It's John 8, 1 through 11. We're just going to take it a couple verses at a time. So it says, Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives, but early the next morning he was back again at the temple. And a crowd soon gathered and he sat down and he taught them. All right, so what's going on? Right? There's a crowd. Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives. But let me under, let's understand the background. There's a feast of tabernacles or a feast of shelters going on. There's three different feasts that happen. And, and during these feasts in the Jewish tradition, everyone that was able would pilgrimage to Jerusalem to, to, be as part, to be in the temple for a celebration. It's seven days long. We need some parties like that in the church, don't we? I have a seven-day party. Um, so this was one of those times... Jerusalem is crowded. So Jesus is going to the temple because he can have the most impact on the most people. It's crowded. That's where Jesus is. And this is the last day. Now, as part of the last day, here's some of Jesus was a bold dude, man. What he said was just he made some some amazing claims. This is what he says to them on the last day. We read it in John 7. It says, anyone who is thirsty, this is Jesus talking, anyone who's thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart. So Jesus is teaching. The crowd is just like they're hanging on every word. Now what had happened that day is the high priest, they've been looking 
for a chance to arrest Jesus. They sent the temple guards and said, arrest Jesus. It's the last day of the festival. Like, you got to get him. And the guards are just there with their mouths open. They've never heard someone speak like Jesus. They've never seen the demonstration of the gospel and, and of power like Jesus. So they kind of go back sheepishly to their, to their superiors and they're like, why didn't you arrest him? They're like, we couldn't. We, we just couldn't. He's, he's amazing. Like, and they're like, what, even you think he's amazing? And, and the high priests are upset. It's the last day of the festival. They all go home. Jesus goes back to the Mount of Olives. Festival's over. People are still hanging around. Jesus goes back to the temple the next day. And this is where we are. Verse 3. As he's speaking, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees They brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery and they put her in front of the crowd. This is where I start to get angry. I'm like, how dare they? How dare they? What what are they trying to do? You know, and I want to pause here for a moment and just take some lessons as we're going through these verses. Be careful of people who don't value you or protect your worth. The woman meant nothing to them. She was just a pawn in a game to trap Jesus in a no-win situation. We'll see that unfold a little bit later. I'm sure someone knew that woman's name. I bet you one of the high priests or one of the men knew her name. But in this instance, they're just saying, this woman, like she's, you know, a piece of trash. No, God values each one of us. I want us all to know that. God values her. The Pharisees did not value her. Be careful of people who don't value and protect your worth because God calls us all worthy. He calls us all valuable. Remember the story of Zacchaeus we looked at a number of weeks ago, right? Zacchaeus was the most notable chief tax collector, chief sinner of the day, yet Jesus went to him and did what? He called him his name. He called him by name. Second thing is, Religion and spirituality with love does not honor God. What the Pharisees were doing here was wrong, but they were doing it in the name of Christ, right? And sometimes we can get caught up in this religiosity. Religiosity stinks. It just smells like rotting fish. It's awful. Like, get a picture of that. We don't want to be religious. We don't want religiosity. What the Pharisees were doing here was so awful. 1 Corinthians 13, you may know it. It says, if I speak with all the languages of earth. Imagine having all the languages of earth, you know them all, and you speak like an angel, but you don't have love, you're just going to be a noising gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy, if I understand all of God's secrets, secret plans, imagine understanding all of God's secrets plans. You can do that. You can understand all of God's secrets plans. You can possess knowledge. And if you have faith that you can move mountains, but you don't love others, doesn't mean anything. It's not good for anything. If I give everything you have to the poor, even sacrifice your own body, but you don't have love, you'd have gained nothing. And this is where the Pharisees were. They knew the scripture. They were the religious piece of the day, and they stunk. It's a big stink. All right, let's move on. Verse 4. Teacher, the Pharisees say to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery, and the law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? And they were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him, but Jesus stooped down, and he just writes in the dust. He just writes in the dust. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? 
would anyone dare question a Pharisee? Like the Pharisees are the scholars. They have spent their lives studying scripture. They've memorized more scripture than you and I would ever know. They're the scholars. Who would question them? People of the day, they may not have even known what the law said, but they're going to believe their leaders. They're going to believe the Pharisees. So let me ask you this morning, how well do you know the word? Do you know what the word says? Is this really in the law of Moses? Is this what the Old Testament says? I'm not looking for a show of hands, right? But doesn't it, doesn't it behoove us to know what the word of God says? Right? I'm, I'm not asking you to listen to any preacher, whether online or in this pulpit or anywhere, and just say, oh, he's a preacher, so I should listen to him. No, we should know what the word of God has to say. And the people of the time, they didn't know it. Right? What Jesus said later was, by their fruits you shall know them. Right? We should be able to look at someone's life and say, is there fruit that's in line with the gospel or isn't there? And you know, if there isn't fruit, I don't want to listen to that person. And you shouldn't either. So this is, what, this is what the Pharisees, the learned people, they're saying, this is what the law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? All right, we're just going to take a little detour for a minute and go back to Deuteronomy and look at what the law of Moses says. And this is why I get angry. This is what the law of Moses says. If a man is discovered committing adultery, both he and the woman must die. In this way, you will purge Israel of such sin. Okay, anybody see see what's going on here? All right, where's the man? <laughs> what the heck? Where's the beef? What's going on here, people? Right, the Pharisees are just twisting this to make their point. It's, they're, not, they're not trying to uphold the law. They're not trying to, to be righteous. They're just trying to trap Jesus, and that's sick. It stinks. And that's what religiosity can do sometimes. If, if we know the Bible, and I can quote you this verse, this verse, this verse, this verse, and it doesn't change who I am, P.U. It it's not worth anything. So this is what the law of Moses really says. And, you know, this is what I love about Jesus. Who's going to stand up for this woman? Jesus isn't standing up for her. He's actually kneeling down, right? And he's just drawing in the sand. But by doing that, he's putting a pause on this whole thing. So in the moment, he sees what the Pharisees are doing. Jesus sees right through it. And now he's in a little bit of a predicament. It is a no-win situation that they're trying to put him in. Here's what's going on. If he recommends that the woman be released, he could be accused of breaking the law or treating the law of Moses nonchalantly. On the other hand, if he, if he says, no, we should stone her, the Jews don't have the authority in the Roman rule to, to accuse someone of, uh, to, to put them to death because of their religious exercises, right? Romans have laws, and you're not allowed to do that if you're a Jew. So Jesus can't do this, and he can't do that. He's kind of caught between a rock and a hard place. So instead of stepping into the legalistic snare, he just stoops down, and he begins tracing with his fingers. I love it. That's awesome, Jesus. It's kind of like, have you ever watched the TV show, The Good Doctor? Right? And, and the good doctor, he's, he's a doctor, he's got autism, and there's times he's in the operating room, and he just kind of looks up to the left. And brrr, he sees all the textbooks he's ever read because he's got a photographic memory. He's like contemplating every, every scenario, the risks, the rewards. And he's like, we need to do this now. And that's what Jesus does. Like right in the moment, he sees through it all. Like, we're not that fast, but Jesus sees through it all. And he's like, no, this is what we're going to do. 
and he just begins to draw on the ground. So here's some takeaways. Don't judge others because no one, no one of us is perfect, right? We can't judge others. People often ignore their own sin and do what? They pay attention to everybody else's sin. Me included, you included, right? I, I am so, I love when Steve talks about, what's your driving thing? You're a, no, 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 the um, club you're in. The road ethics police, right? I can notice every other jerk on the road, but I've never been a jerk. No, not me. Not me. I've never been a jerk. I can just notice everybody else, you know? Um, Yeah, we're so easy to judge others. The Pharisees intentionally twisted the scriptures to make a point. And you know what? Here's here's what, what bothers me. This could have been a setup. This could have been a setup and perhaps the reason why the man wasn't brought forward was he was one in the crowd. And it was all a setup. Isn't that disgusting? So have you ever heard the statement, hurt people hurt people? Right? People are judgmental. People are legalistic. Why? Because they're struggling to accept God's love and forgiveness. And that's where the Pharisees were. So how do you deal with people like that? Do you hate them? Do you get angry? Oh, I do. In my flesh. But God says, no, have compassion, right? See their behavior as a symptom of what's going on on the inside. They probably don't even realize how much God loves them and how much God wants to forgive them. So who's going to show them? Me, you. We're the ones to show them. We're the ones to show them love and compassion. Fourth point here is we're all casualties in a cosmic spiritual battle between God and Satan, right? We see this, we see this exemplified in the story of Job. Job didn't do anything wrong, and yet, man, all this stuff came on him. Now, this woman wasn't like Job. She had her struggles, admittedly, right? We can all see that she was caught in an act. And there's a suggestion that maybe it wasn't the first time. She had a problem. But the only reasons the Pharisees were paying attention to her wasn't to to fulfill the law. It was just they wanted to trap Jesus. Sometimes we make decisions that can lead to terrible consequences, don't we? And we shouldn't say the devil made me do it, right? It's not the devil that made you do it. You just did it. Was the devil there? Sure he was there. You had a choice. You fell into the trap. You succumbed to the temptation. But we should be aware that there's a battle between God and Satan. And God gives us the tools that we need to resist temptation. God gives us the tools we need to stand strong. So whatever may have happened in your life, in my life, in our past, know that God forgives us of our past. He gives us the power to live better. We don't have to travel with baggage. But we are in a battle. There is a spiritual battle going on. Let's continue the story. They kept demanding an answer. These are the Pharisees. So Jesus now stands up again and he goes, All right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. And then he stoops down again and writes in the dust. And as he's writing, all the accusers heard this, and one by one, they start to slip away, beginning with the oldest until Jesus was left in the middle with the crowd with the woman. Why does it say beginning with the oldest? You know, maybe the oldest person has the one that's got the most wisdom, right? Isn't there something that comes with age? And he's like, oh man, if someone held me account, like I I got sin, and, and he's that person, man or woman, I don't know, but they're the first one to leave. So verse 6 left off with Jesus tracing his finger in the sand. The Pharisees keep demanding it. What was Jesus doing as he's writing in the sand? Why was he writing in the sand? Jesus, really? Like you can't say something, you're just going to write in the sand? 
if, if you were ever going to bring an accusation, uh, an accusation of this to, to one of the priests in the Deuteronomy times, this is what you do. You bring it to the priest, and the priest would have written the names of the accused in the dust or in some, uh, the temple floor or using another, uh, another method. So it's reasonable to assert that when Jesus first stooped, he was writing the name of the woman. They just said this woman. He was probably writing her name. Now, in my mind, I want to think he's writing Deuteronomy 22.22. Where's the man, right? <laughs> That's what I'm thinking he's writing. Or, or maybe he's writing all of their sins down, right? That's what, I'm, Jesus, get them. But that's what he was doing as a high priest. So the, the Pharisees keep questioning him. Who's our defender? Our defender is Jesus. Right? His response is flawless. Because it preserves the Roman rule. It preserves the, the law of, of Deuteronomy. And now here's the important lesson. And man, if we get anything out of this message, this is one of the things I want us to remember. God knows how to deal with every situation we have. Like the way Jesus responded in this was, it's just miraculous, right? I don't have words. It's just incredible. Jesus, what a beautiful thing you did here. God knows how to deal with every situation that we're dealing with. So what's driving you crazy? Right, what keeps you up at night? Anybody wake up at night or is it just me? You wake up and you can't go back to sleep. Like that happens. What keeps you up? What are you thinking about? What's running through your mind? What feels like a no-win situation? Where do you need advice? Where do you need counsel? God knows how to deal with every situation you have. Jesus was in a trap. If he said this, it's going to be used against him. If he says that, it's going to be used against him. So he says nothing. Hmm, there's wisdom sometimes. Think before you speak. Pray before you speak, right? Maybe you're in a no-win situation. Go to God. He's all-knowing. He's all-wise. He's all-powerful. Maybe you've got a, an issue at work, and there's a coworker that's just bugging the bejeebies out of you, and, and they're after you. What are you going to do? Go to God. Maybe you've got a classmate or a professor. He's making your life hard. She's making your life hard. Ask God what to do. Maybe your spouse, sibling, mother, father, someone here at the church, they're trying your patience. Yeah, God's got a strategy for that. Go to Jesus. God knows how to deal with every situation we have. Then Jesus stoops up again and says to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. You know, I've read this story so many times I don't even remember. But I saw something different as I was reading it now. Because I kind of read through it a little too quickly. And maybe I'm missing some emotion. Right? What Jesus is telling her is that he's setting her free. Right? But Jesus says, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? And she says, no, Lord. Let's not miss the significance of what she just did right there. She called him Lord. Right, I looked that word up in the Greek, it's kyros. She was recognizing Jesus as God. Right? She's not recognizing Jesus as a prophet. She's saying, no, you're God. And in a moment, like we don't see the whole thing going on because it's just one word, Lord. But in that moment of calling him Lord, she's saying, yeah, you're my, uh, you're my, sal- you're my Savior. You're my Messiah. You're God. This is significant because I'm calling that a confession and a profession of her faith. Right? Doesn't it say that if, if we, um, we call Jesus as our Lord 
and confess it with our mouth that we're going to be saved, right? That's what she's doing. She's calling him Lord. And then Jesus says, I don't condemn you either. Go and sin no more. Now, you've probably heard me say, sometimes I want to look at, all right, that's what Jesus said. What didn't he say? Because sometimes we hear more about what he didn't say and we hang on to that as the words instead of what he did say. He says, I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. But here's sometimes what we hear. Wow, that was close. You almost got stoned to death. Oh my goodness, be more careful next time, right? He didn't say, hey, have a nice life. Good meeting you. He didn't say, you know what? Next time, would you try harder? He didn't say, oh boy, you owe me a lot after this one. You're going to have to work hard to pay me back for this. But isn't that sometimes what we hear? Like if I just do more, if I work harder, if I try harder, I'm going to overcome my sin. Jesus didn't say any of those things. No, he said, I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. There's something amazing when Jesus sets us free from sin. Like he really sets us free. It's like you're being held and captive and someone's pulling you away and Jesus just cuts the rope. And all of a sudden, like you don't have to go anymore. You could actually walk in another direction, right? Because Jesus sets us free when he comes. That's the power in the name of Jesus. That's the power when we come to him, when we call him Lord. It's amazing. Some of us, I dare say, we got a hook in our mouth. And we don't want to go this way, but there's a hook in our mouth that's pulling us. Jesus cuts the line. And all of a sudden, oh my gosh, I'm free. I can walk around. I can keep going in that direction if I want to be stupid. But I can turn around and follow Jesus if I want to be smart, right? That's what it looks like when Jesus sets us free. So God wants us to understand a couple things. He wants us to understand who he really is. Jesus shows himself to the woman in a heart-to-heart moment because Jesus wants to know us. He wants to know each one of us. He wants to have a relationship with us. And maybe you're here this morning and this story, you know what, it's resonating with you. You're saying, wow, people have judged me. I'm in a tough situation. I've made mistakes. God, is there freedom for me? Absolutely there is. Doesn't matter what we've done. Doesn't matter if we've tried to live good our whole lives and, and, and the ledger is maybe 50-50 or we're higher or lower in another. No, it matters this. Would you say to Jesus, Lord? Because when we say Lord, it's like we're bowing our knee before him. We're recognizing who he is. We're, we're calling him in his rightful position saying, Jesus, you're my master. You're my savior. I give it all to you. God gives second chances to the guilty. I would say second chances, third chances, four chances. Like No matter how many times you come back, God is always willing to forgive you. But guess what? He forgives you. You got to come to him though. He's not, he's not chasing you. The Holy Spirit's a gentleman. He's not going to barge down your door with a battering ram. Uh, we're coming in now. He's waiting for you. Hey, come. Let me summarize the passage by saying this. All of us have sinned, right? All of us have sinned. There's no, there's no person here that's better than another. The Pharisees sinned. Their sin was righteous, uh, religious self-righteousness. They lied. The man and woman, were, they were breaking God's law. They were having sex outside of marriage. They only brought the woman into Jesus, but that doesn't change the sin. They were still, she was in sin. Everyone in the crowd recognized that they were sinners, because they all dropped their rocks, didn't they? The only one they could have condemned, the only one that was sinless was who? Jesus. 
Jesus. And what did he say? I don't condemn you, but go and sin no more. So with Jesus, there's no condemnation. He demonstrated love and forgiveness. So people might condemn us. People might pass judgment on us because of our sins when we come to Jesus. He offers us forgiveness. You know, here's a picture that I have in this no condemnation. What if that woman, Jesus has set her free, right? He tells her, then go and sin no more. And now it's next Sunday or next Saturday. She's going to the temple. That's the woman. It's all her. You know what she's probably dealing with at that point in time? Right? Jesus sets us free, but we all have a memory. Jesus puts our sin in the sea of forgetfulness, but we all have a memory. Sometimes we don't forget it. And there may be some of us today, Jesus sets you free, but the voices of other people are just driving you crazy. You know what? That can be some of the scar tissue that doesn't allow us to say, God, I give you everything. You know, God has paid the price for that too. He's paid the price. Don't listen to the voices. That's the voice of the enemy. Sometimes those voices are even inside the church, unfortunately, that we'll talk about one another. No, if Jesus set you free, then walk in freedom. If Jesus set someone free, don't try to call their past into account. Oh, you remember what she did? Remember what he did? No, Jesus set her free. He said, go and sin no more. Let's all give grace to one another that people can actually go and sin no more, right? We got to start somewhere. We got to start somewhere. With God, there's no condemnation. And then go and sin no more, right? That's, that's instead of walking in this direction, I need to start walking in the other direction. That's where I was being pulled by the noose or the hook in my, in my jaw. But now Jesus breaks it. He sets me free. I can walk and follow him when I call him Lord. So part of the message today is Jesus' life shows us his messages for everyone. Right? The Easter message is for everyone. And that's what Jesus lived out as we see it through the eyes of this woman. There's great hope in this story. Right? We, we, I want us all to get the hope here of what Jesus is doing that he comes to set us free. He comes to redeem us. He comes to, to make all things new. And even when he's made it new and people are still remembering the old, guys, you can still, we can still walk in the new. We don't have to go back there. Jesus said a servant can't be greater than his master. And Jesus came to serve. So what does that make us? We're servants of the servant, right? That's what we are. Is Jesus talking to your guilt and shame today? Jesus talked to that woman, and she was in guilt and shame. And, and the world wants to keep help, heaping guilt and shame on us. Maybe you've already come to Jesus, but you're still dealing with guilt and shame. Jesus set you free, now walk in freedom. Go and sin no more. Leave that behind. Make no mistake, when Jesus forgave the woman, he wasn't excusing her sin. He wasn't saying, oh, you know what, do better next time. No, he's saying, what you did was wrong. But I'm setting you free so that you can go do right. And that's what Jesus does to us. He doesn't call us to account. He doesn't say you owe me. He doesn't say you got to try harder. Because there's nothing we can do to earn his salvation. We have to receive it as a gift. So he loved her in such an unexpected way. What did it cause her to do? Right? When you see all of your accusers walk away one by one, guess what happens in your heart? Something changes in your heart. All of a sudden you're ready to go, Lord. I'm going to follow you. 
right? And, and that's, I think, the offer that Jesus has to each one of us today. Would we, like that woman, recognize the love that he has for us, recognize the acceptance that he has for us, recognize what he's done on the cross where he's paid the price for our sin, a price we couldn't pay. There's no amount of good works I'm ever going to do or you're ever going to do that's going to pay the price for our sin. But Jesus dying on the cross, he paid the price. It's like that fine of a trillion dollars that you can't afford. He paid it, paid it in full. But now we're going to receive it because that's all we can do. We can't earn it but we can receive it as a gift. And that's what the word of God says we need to do. So like this woman, have you ever called Jesus Lord? Have you ever said, yes, God, I'm giving you my life? Have you ever prayed to him? There, there was a, we had Jerry's funeral. And, and I'll tell you, at funerals, it's, it's some of the best time to just talk about what does the word of God have to say about the afterlife? Right? And, and here's something we don't often talk about on a Sunday morning, but we talk about it on funeral songs. I'm just going to bring a little bit of my notes in on a Sunday morning. Do you know that Revelations mentions the Lamb's Book of Life? And it says, if your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, you're getting into heaven. You got that golden ticket. If your name's not written into, in the Lamb's Book of Life, then you're not getting into heaven. $64,000 question. Is your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life? And how do you know? Right? This is how you know if your name's written in there. Have you ever said to Jesus, Jesus, you're my Lord, and I'm going to recognize that that, I'm going to ask forgiveness of my sins, and I'm going to start to follow you. I'm not going to walk in the same way anymore. That's how you know if you're going into heaven. That was the beautiful thing in Jerry's funeral this, this past week where we could share the hope of Jesus and the hope of eternal life. Would you stand to me as we close in prayer? I want that hope for all of us. The message of Easter is about hope, Amen. So if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, if you're here this morning and you've walked away from Jesus, here's the invitation. Let's pray. Let's say, God, I need you in my life. If you're here today and he set you free, but there's others that are accusing you, they're heaping guilt on you, they're remembering your past when you're trying to forget your past, Jesus still sets you free. Maybe we're one of the ones where we're remembering the past and we've got to say, God, I've been wrong. I've been accusing a brother or sister for what's in their past, Lord. I I need to let it go. And we need to repent. So let's come to God this morning. Father God, in Jesus' name, Lord, if, if we have not, if, if you don't know Jesus or you want to come back to Jesus, just pray with me right now. Jesus, I call you my Lord today. I make a choice that you're my Lord, you're my Savior. I receive what you've done on the cross as payment for my sin. I ask you to forgive me of my sin, to cleanse me. And Lord, give me the strength to walk after you. Give me the strength to live for you. Lord, I I don't want to live for myself. I want to live for you. Help me, God. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. And Father, Lord, for each one of us today, Lord, whatever we're dealing with, God, if we're in a no-win situation, Lord, if, if there's stuff going on, we don't know how to do it, Lord Jesus, you know how to handle every situation we're going through. So Lord, I pray for your your wisdom. Lord, your wisdom that is way beyond what we can ask or think. Lord, I ask for it liberally. God, show us what we do in the situations that we face. Even as you rescued this woman, Lord, come and rescue each one of us. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're here today and you prayed that prayer with me this morning, I'd love to talk with you. Please come see me right after church, right down here. Thank you very much. Have a great day, everyone. God bless.